Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. Please like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View Radio network. All right, today, thought we would uh, get a little bit of a different perspective on uh, on all of the craziness going on with your with your New York Giants. I'm joined today by the great Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post. Ryan, thank you for uh, for a few minutes. What's up, Ed? Every time I hear somebody say like, subscribe, uh, and whatnot on a podcast, it makes me think my son, who's five years old, whenever he hears that so much watching his YouTube shows, that he, he'll come home with a drawing and he'll be like, Dad, here's my drawing. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I'm like, you don't even know what that means. No, but oh my, you know, I have grandkids now and my grandkids are like, Grandpa, you're on YouTube. Yeah, (laughs) you're on YouTube. I can't believe you even know what YouTube is. Exactly. I was on TV (laughs) for CBS the other day. My son was like, how are you here and there at the same time? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny, but. And my one of my one of my granddaughters actually sort of video bombed one of my YouTubes the other yeah, day, which funny. was kind of funny because I I had her and she I had her with us and and she wanted something, so she just walked into the middle of my of my show and asked for it. Yeah. Hey, look if we're if we're still doing this in a half hour, there's a chance my son comes down and bombs us. So. Hey, well, in that case, we better get moving here, you know. <laughs> but uh, hey, so I wanted to ask you. Um, I don't want to start with the Daniel Jones stuff because that's, you know, everybody we've been talking about Daniel Jones and writing about Daniel Jones all week. I want to ask you, you know, the Giants are two and seven. They're, they're a mess at this point. I didn't see this bad of a season coming. And you, most people I talked to didn't see this bad of a season coming. I mean, where did, in in your mind, where did this thing go off the rails? Well, I picked them to go seven and ten in May, and then I got I let the fans bully me into you're a pessimist. This team's <laughs> better, so I bumped them up to eight and nine. They're still obviously not going to get anywhere close to either of those numbers. I think they're probably going to go two and fifteen. Uh, where did this thing go wrong? Well, look, Dave, a couple things. One. They're at the offensive line was an absolute train wreck. It's as bad as it. I've six years of doing this. The offensive line was as bad as it's been in any of those years. The Solder Omame incarnation, Spencer Pulley and Jalapio, and you go just throw the name Jamon Brown, J- 
just throw the names, this offensive line that didn't have Andrew Thomas for seven games and didn't get better play out of Evan Neal uh, was as bad as any. Uh, then you don't have Saquon Barkley for three games, and as soon as he comes back, you don't have Daniel Jones for three games. The injuries wore them down, and then quite frankly, the offense last year was about trickery and making the most maximizing skill players' talents and really overachieving. And this year it was really about underachieving and minimizing talents. And really everything that went right last year went wrong this year. They just, they packed no punch whatsoever and they've been playing behind in games. And whether you're the Jets or the Giants in New York, neither team is built to become from behind and they just can't do it. Uh, apparently New York can't have good quarterback play. What You know what, Ed? As scary as it was, maybe the most telling half of the season was not even the 40 to nothing against the Cowboys, even though they ended up coming back to beat the Cardinals. It might have been the fact that they were down 20 to nothing to the Cardinals at halftime. That's probably where we all should have been like, whoa, something's seriously wrong. Even though they came back to win this game, that is not what a playoff team does. And that's probably where we should have known something was wrong. If not, then certainly by, Seattle, by the Seattle uh, egg laying. Yeah. You know, I, I have to tell you that I'm, I'm sitting in the press box watching the Giants and the Jets play. And I realized in the second half, it's like the best quarterback playing in this game is Zach Wilson. <laughs> and that's, and that's a problem. I don't even know if that's true. And I might, after last, after this past week, you know, things change in the fast. Yes. In that game, it was probably Zach Wilson, but like going forward, I might rather have Tommy DeVito than Zach Wilson. And that's, a, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, says it's, enough. that says it all. That says enough. But, you know, it, it it's interesting because you look back on it and you realize, I think the Giants started 7-2 and two a year ago. And I don't want to say that was done with smoke and mirrors, but maybe some of those victories weren't quite as impressive as we thought they were at the time. Like, you know, Tennessee wasn't as good as we thought. Green Bay wasn't as good as we thought, um, you know, and, and, and since then things have been more like what you might expect from a rebuilding team. So, it, you know, so it's almost like if you flipped them and no one would have a problem, you like that. If you were like, oh, we expected the giants to be terrible last year, right? Like mm -hmm. new regime change. Nobody knows what the quarterback is. Saquon Barkley, how is he coming off a disappointing year? Like if they were two and seven last year, we'd be like, all right, this is what you expect. Shane Dable getting their feet under them, but they're a victim of their own success this year because they were so far ahead of schedule last year that it was unrealistic for them to keep it up. And truth be told, they did a little of what Dave Gettleman used to do, which is get way ahead of themselves and the plan to incrementally build probably got sped up by going to the playoffs and winning a game and thinking you're more of a contender and John Mara saying we're back in the locker room. If all that doesn't happen, maybe you don't trade for Darren Waller. Maybe you don't uh, give Daniel Jones four years and 160 million. Like the, they probably thought they were, they probably thought they were ahead of schedule. They probably fooled themselves. And we always say things are the law of averages and you wonder if they are. 
Well, they won some games last year they probably didn't deserve to win, and they've lost some games this year they probably they should have beat Buffalo. They you and know they, they and they should have beaten the Jets. Yeah. So I mean, but then last year they probably shouldn't have beaten Baltimore, and they probably they shouldn't have beaten Washington. The most important game of the year on the Darnay Holmes phantom penalty that didn't get called in the end zone, they would have lost that game. So mm-hmm. you really, I guess, the law of averages is true. Is my point. Yeah, and it's interesting because. I've, you know, I'm I'm actually just sitting down and, and trying to figure all of these things out going back into the spring, but even the decisions that the Giants made this year that I kind of agreed with, you know, you're right. They, they were sped up. They wouldn't have done some of the things they did this off season. I remember asking Joe Shane about the whole Daniel Jones situation after he signed him and and I, I I asked him if he thought he would be here, you know, signing Jones to a contract. And he said no. He said if I'd have thought we'd have, we'd we'd yeah. be here, I would have used the franchise tag, yeah, or I would have used the fifth year option, not the of franchise yeah, tag. Yeah, yeah. So no, so it. yeah, they got sped up. And you know, Waller was an example of that too. But let me ask you. Let me ask. Turn the tables, Ed. If the Giants were the seven seed instead of the six seed, or the 49ers were the three seed instead of the two seed. So if the first round matchup was Giants 49ers instead of Giants versus Paper Tiger Lion Vikings, how different would the team look? Because instead of beating the Vikings, they probably get pounded into the ground by the 49ers and mm-hmm. the season ends with a sour taste. Maybe they don't sign maybe they don't re-sign Daniel Jones to 4160. Maybe they tag him. Maybe they're like, oh, wow, we lost, you know, whatever it was, six of our last nine or whatever. But mm-hmm. that playoff win that was, very, you know, look, they played well. They went on the road and won a playoff game. But we all know the Vikings were not anywhere right. near the caliber of the 49ers or the Eagles. So if the seeds had been a little different, they might have got more of a reality check nine months earlier than they actually got one. Right. I think. Entering the whole situation, I think Brian Dable, I think Joe Shane, I think you, I think me, I think everybody would have expected that this past off season, instead of signing Daniel Jones to a long term deal, they would have been, you know, sending Daniel Jones packing and 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 drafting a quarterback of the future, which I, I think is where they're going to be next off season. I thought they were going to tag him. I always thought they were going to tag him. Uh, up until four minutes before the story broke, uh, I thought they were going to tag him. Uh, I just never, when I know that he asked for $48 million a year, I just never in my life thought they were going to find middle ground. And they did. Uh, I just, I always thought he was going to get tagged and Saquon was going to get the extension. It's what I thought then they didn't do it. And in hindsight, I think it's what they should have done now. So, yeah, you know, it's, that's a good argument because knowing where they were i still feel like their priorities were in the right place i mean joe shane made it obvious from the beginning that quarterback was going to be the priority over running back and i think that's the right priority if you have the, the right quarterback if you have the right players and <laughs> and you know and the question that everybody asked at the time was did they have the right quarterback they took a shot they you know they gave him a 
I still see that as a two-year deal more than anything else. I see that as a deal they can get out of. I want I want to say a couple things. One, anybody listening to your podcast who knows me knows I'm a as big a trumpeter of running backs, and in particular this one, as there is. Yes, if you have Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, prioritize Joe Burrow, but you don't. You have Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. You have to realize this is not a typical situation. You have a great running back and an average quarterback, and that's why, yeah, you should prioritize the quarterback if you have the right quarterback. The second thing I want to say is I don't want to hear anybody, Ed, anybody say, Joe Shane never had his guy at quarterback. No, one the, here's the here as two as a grandfather and a father you can relate here I think. Um he might not have been Daniel Jones's dad, but he adopted Daniel Jones. He's Daniel Jones's stepfather. The moment that he gave him did Dave Gettleman birthed him, but did he adopted Daniel Jones once he gave him the 4 years 160. He 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 can draft a new quarterback this offseason. That's fine. But don't say he didn't get a chance to have his guy. He made Daniel Jones his guy when he gave him that contract. And, yes, it's a two-year contract, but people keep saying out. And I know you know this, Ed, but people – let's explain it for your audience. People keep saying there's an out in, year, in the third year. There is with a $22.2 million dead cap hit in year three, which is right. the highest – the Giants will have ever paid exceeding the Odell Beckham dead cap. So it's not like, okay, he's out the door where our hands are free of him. No, you're still paying him $22 million not to be on the team in year three. Right. And if, and if you're drafting a quarterback in the 2024 draft, whether they do that in the top five, whether they take those two second round picks and, and trade up, and and draft a guy late in the first round, you're basically, and I understand your point because what you're doing is you're paying Daniel Jones close to $70 million over those two years, or at least your cap it for Jones is basically $70 million over those two years when you're telling him that you don't want him anymore. Correct. To be your backup quarterback and then not be on the team. So it's... Uh, it it's still a, a difficult situation either way. You know, in, in talking about Saquon, I think you and I are probably on the same page on this one. I still think that I'm very surprised knowing how close they were. I'm very surprised that this didn't end up in a three-year 36 or three-year $39 million deal with the first two years guaranteed and and be done with it. And because now they're in a situation where, you know, considering that he's still their best player, he's still their offense, they haven't, you know, they haven't moved the needle at all in a year. He's got another year of mileage on his tires. He's got, you know, 250 or 300 more touches by the end of the year. He's got another leg injury. And now they probably have to give him that three-year, $39 million deal. Or I wouldn't be surprised if they do just because I'm not sure, you know, they can't let the guy go. So here's where I would, I thought all along that they would find a win-win scenario. They didn't. I thought, well, the Giants won. They got him on the franchise tag. It's a loss for Saquon. And as the season has played out, it's somehow become a loss-loss where now even the Giants have lost not having him under a long-term deal. 
because you're right. Like he's still their best player and Shane and Dable, assuming they get to keep their jobs at two and 15, which we think they will, but John Mara has fired the last three coaches after two years and embarrassed John Mara gets very pulls, pulls the trigger fast. So assuming they get to stay, they're going to be on the hot seat in year three. They're going to let their best player go. I, I mean, I can't see that. I'm, their best way to win games involves Saquon Barkley. So, um, yeah, if I think to use your numbers, 336 or 339, I think would have got it done. The problem was it was 333-ish, and it was, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, I believe it was about 22 million-ish guaranteed, 21, 22 million-ish guaranteed. Uh, with some per game bonuses tied up in there, uh, they ended up one to two million dollars apart in average annual salary and in guaranteed money, and it came nothing close to what Jonathan Taylor signed. You know, whatever two months later, so uh, it was a lose lose. And now, honestly, the most interesting storyline with the Giants the rest of this season is if Saquon allows them to run up his carry total and if they even think it's worth it or they shut him down because they're almost cutting off their nose to spite their face, if they're going to bring him back next year, why add another 120 touches to his body? And then they're going to have the gumption, the gall to go to him in January and say, hey, we, we're going to only offer you a 3-24 and 24 because you really have a lot of miles. Well, I have a lot of miles because your team stinks. That's that's why I have a lot of money because you ran out Tommy DeVito for the last eight games. So yeah, it's 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 one of those deals where again I I thought the priority was right. I was really surprised that you know that they didn't come to a deal. You know, of even even three and thirty six, I thought would have gotten it done. Or it, it would. Let me tell you for sure that it would have. And 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 I thought they could have justified that because shoot. Three and thirty-six is twenty-four million guaranteed if you give them the first two years guaranteed. Been done. And, and that's Would've and that's what two million dollars more than what they'll pay him on the franchise tag for two Would've years. Been, and would have been done. Absolutely. Yep. And 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 probably in hindsight, probably should have been done. Yeah, no, I think it's that. And then you'd have him next year, year two, probably with a rookie quarterback and Daniel, and then if you wanted to start fresh in year three, you know, cup eight in year three, make it the second year quarter, make it Caleb Williams or Drake May's team and go with your rotational running back, then you could. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Ryan, since we, uh, since you kind of brought it up, let's talk about Shane and Dable and and the the potential year three. Now, I've I've written it. I'm pretty sure you've written it. You know, most of us who who cover the team have said it. I think at this point that there's very little reason as we sit here today there's very, there's there's very little reason to think that Brian Dable won't be back next year. The the caveat, the hesitation to all of that is I think nine or 10 games into Joe Judge's second season, I don't think any of us would have said he's going to get fired at the end of this year either. Absolutely. They were four and 11 games in, Ed. They were four and seven and had just beaten the Eagles. They've beaten the Eagles three times since like Donovan McNabb retired. So, like, they were going to turn in a four and seven after a win against the Eagles, and you were going to tell me Joe Judge was going to get fired? No, but they became an offensive embarrassment for the last six games of the season, playing second and third string quarterbacks. And and then Joe it, embarrassed them. And then Joe embarrassed them publicly with some of the things them. he said and the quarterback sneaks. And, and, then, and then he started, and then the locker room started to fracture. But, so let me turn that on you. There's now eight games left. The offense is very likely to become an embarrassment. Um, you already saw some fracturing in the locker room with Xavier McKinney this week. People didn't like the Leonard Williams trade in the locker room. And then third, you're going to tell me it's impossible, Ed. You can tell me. You can watch Brian Dable on the sideline blow gaskets and then tell me he couldn't blow a gasket in a press conference like Joe Ch- like Joe Judge did. He definitely could. It could be exact deja vu. And I'll double down on you, Ed. You were covering the team. I wasn't. How about six years ago when – uh, seven games in or eight games in, they gave Ben McAdoo an actual vote of confidence. Like, he's going to be back. Like, forget what we thought. They said he was going to be back and then fired him four weeks later. So, and he, similar to Joe, similar to Brian Dable, he had the great first year with the playoffs. They both won, I think, 11 games if you add up regular season and playoffs. So they had very similar year ones. Very similar year twos. He got a vote of confidence and still got fired before the end of the season. So what? There any speculation on Shane and Dable's future is not unfair because Mara and Tish have created it with their own actions. Right. I think they know in their hearts, maybe or in their heads, they they know that they've got to get off this two year treadmill. Do you remember but, what? Do you remember what John Mara said the day he hired Joe Judge? Oh, I know. He said he's got to get be off. More pa- I got to be, more, be patient. more patient. Yep, I know. And then two years in, he found himself feeling like he had no choice but to let to let Judge go. Correct. And i I feel like I feel like 
because Joe Shane and Brian Dable came in together, because they built ding, some ding, 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 right, ding. and because they built some equity last year with you know with an unexpected playoff berth, I think they have a better opportunity to stay. But and I think right now I think they should stay unless, as you said, unless that locker room turns on them and turns on each other. I think you hit it on the head. I think what they have that Jerry Reese and McAdoo or Gettleman and Judge did not have is uh, whatever the uh, simpatico or whatever, you know, yep. uh, mm-hmm. that, that they are tied at the hip. So you wouldn't fire one without the other because you can't fire Shane and uh, force Dable on somebody. You can't fire Dable and then let Shane hire another coach and, you know, then fire Shane if he's a disaster in year three. So, like, you basically just give them both a year three together because they credit each other so much that it's hard to know who to blame. It was not hard to know if you were doing a good job as a reporter which moves were Joe Judge's and which moves were Dave Gettleman's, and very few were them acting together. It's very hard to know what's a Joe Judge and what's a Brian Dable and what's a Joe Shane because it's almost like they share a brain, which was a good thing last year and has been a bad thing this year. But that, as you said, that ties them at the hip. And the other thing that I think we both know is if they get a year three, they probably get a year four because that year three probably includes a first-year quarterback and gives them, to me, Unless year three is a complete, you know, two and 15, one and 16 disaster, it gives them a little runway to say, we've got to have time to develop this guy. Yeah, I don't know if I would agree with that. Uh, I would say, I can't say that, I can't say, even with a rookie quarterback, you see what the Texans are doing with CJ Stroud and their, and D'Amico Ryans. You see what, uh, first year quarterbacks do all the time, trying to think who was last year's, uh, Trying to think who, you know, uh, you see what first-year quarterbacks do all the time in this league. I would not say that they have a guaranteed second year. Like they, uh, if they go two and fifteen next year, and then five and twelve next, I can't say they get a year four. Like they're they're gonna even with a rookie quarterback, I think they're gonna have to be in the mix for the playoff spot next year to get a year four. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are, but. But still, you know, it's an interesting, the the Dable-Shane debate is interesting. I do think they have some equity, and I do think that that unless... They'll have burned up all that equity by the end of the season. Oh, certainly. They'll be at square square zero. Yeah, I can can buy that, but it's, you know, it's a situation where at some point you've got to give, you've got to give someone an opportunity to have more than two years and i think i think the fact that it's that it's that they're tied together as we've talked about makes sense to give these guys another year no i do too i would i wrote the other day for the post i said that they should get a year three but mostly they should get a year three not based on what they've done but based on what the maras and tishes have done that haven't worked it's time to just try the opposite and that's absolutely yeah the opposite of what they've done is stability yeah, and that's been uh and that that's been been going on for for far too long ever since uh 
you know, it's, it's, it's water under the bridge. It's going way back. But I remember sitting in the, the Tom Coughlin goodbye press conference, listening to John Mara sit there and say, well, you know, Tom is moving on, but this is not Tom's fault. This is Jerry's fault, but Jerry gets to stay. (laughs) And, and and at that point I'm like, you know, what is going on here? When you're saying it's not the coach's fault, it's the GM's fault, but the coach has to go and the GM gets to stay. Yeah. And it's like this organization has, has gone off the rails here it somewhere. It lost its way. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, they're with with Shane and Dable, hopefully they can find their way back to wherever you're back to, to respectability and instead of an accidental playoff season every six or seven years. You know, I wanted to ask you, we were talking a little bit offline. Um, You and I started chatting about you coming on the show shortly before the trade deadline. And and that, that didn't happen, but um, (laughs) you know, looking back at the trade deadline, the only thing, the only thing that, that the giants did was trade, Leonard Williams, you know, the, 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 uh, the fake West Steinberg account tries to tell us that they tried to, to trade a Dory Jackson, but couldn't get the paperwork in, you know, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, but that's, but, you know, I, I thought maybe, you know, Len, moving Leonard Williams made a lot of sense, but I, I thought maybe they would do a little bit more than, than that, um, what what are your thoughts on on the trade deadline? I thought they would do more than that for sure. Uh, I think that they didn't do that more than that actually tells you that there probably wasn't more to do. Like no one probably wanted a Dory Jackson's uh, contract for his play this year. He was he was good. He was a averageish number one corner, well above average number two cornerback last year pre injury. He has not played well this season. No, he has not. And he, and it would and have he been had about, the, and he, and he had an and he had an injury at the time too. Yeah, it would have been about six million dollars to pick up. Uh, I think tells you nobody was really interested. Xavier McKinney, I think they are kind of still waffling on whether he's part of the future. What kind of offer to make him? Are they even going to become close to what he thinks he's worth? Uh, I think uh, who else would have been a candidate to be moved? Paris Campbell, I think like people thought he might be able to get like the McCole Hardman or um, who's the other guy who got traded. Uh, Van Jefferson, late round pick swap where you do like him and a seven for a six. I think what it tells you that they didn't do more is really that there wasn't much interest in their guys from around the league. And I got to mention my <coughs> colleague Paul Schwartz has an interesting story in the post tomorrow talking to Leonard Williams agent about really, I couldn't even believe this, but really the giants would have allowed Leonard Williams to veto that trade. If he didn't want to get traded, they would have basically said, okay, we'll keep you and not taken the second round pick, which is basically unheard of for a guy without a no trade clause. Uh, I, I saw that. I saw that. And, and I'm, I was flabbergasted Yeah, that's a good that, word. that they would put that, in Leonard Williams' hands, I mean, to say whether we trade you or not is is up to you. 
I mean, I can see a team saying, we have offers from Seattle and we have an offer from it was Seattle. The 40, San, the, you know, we have it an was offer Seattle, from San Francisco, Buffalo. Uh, that's what Paul reported. I think maybe Jordan might have reported Detroit too. But you know, if let's say it's you know it's Seattle and it's San Francisco, we have these two offers. You're going. Where would you Where yeah. would you rather we send? You've heard you? stories like that, yeah. Right, but but for them to because that second round pick for the franchise for the Giants so valuable could have incredible value as a as a trade chip or, or as a, as good a pick, yeah, yeah, or as a good player. You know, but it's got if if they you know if they're convinced if they're convinced that they have to have Caleb Williams, and I'm way ahead of myself. But if they're convinced they have to, you know, the fourth pick's not going to get Caleb Williams. No, but maybe the fourth pick and the thirty fifth pick might get them in the ballpark, or at least you know it might get them. You know, the the fourth and the thirty fifth pick is at least a good. A, a good chunk of the way there. Yep. And they're still, and they can stay, well, we're still in the second round. Yep. <laughs> you know, we still have a pick in the second round. So, you know, but, but yeah, so that's incredibly valuable, but for them to say, well, it's up to you whether you go or not. I'm not sure that's good business to be honest with you from the it, Giants. It's not good short-term business, but I guess it is good long-term business. I mean, if you think you're going to be here a long time, like, it certainly is certainly buys you uh, equity with agents. As Leonard Williams, a veteran player, tells that story to people, it makes the Giants front office. Oh, I'd like to play for people like that. They sound like they really put your best That's interest. A good in point. Maybe it pays itself forward. Mm-hmm. Then again, the other option to that is if you go to trade the next guy, whoever it is, that guy's going to say, "How come I don't get?" How come? Wait a minute. Can I reject this? Like Leonard got to reject this. So uh, yeah. you better be willing to do that to everybody if yep. you're willing to do that for him. Yep. Hey, last thing I want to ask you about. We kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, Xavier McKinney. We talked about it a little bit, and we know that he had his comments a week or so. You know, after the the Raiders game, you know, saying that he didn't think the, the captains were being heard, and I. I kind of have to read that as McKinney saying he didn't think he was being heard, but my take on the whole Xavier McKinney thing is this, and I just want to see if you agree with me or not. I think the Giants sent a loud and clear message at the beginning of the season that McKinney's future with the team is in doubt when they said we're not giving him a contract extension after giving will you know after giving Dexter one after giving Jones one after giving Andrew Thomas one and part of that is Xavier McKinney didn't play real well last year before the whole Cabo thing but for me the other part of that is and I don't have any intel on this but it's my belief that the whole thing that happened in Cabo with Xavier McKinney last year cost him some credibility and some trust in the organization. And that that this has been a prove-it year for Xavier McKinney, and it's not going real well. That's a, I mean, it's a fair theory. I don't have any intel to back that up, but I don't have any intel to refute it either. I mean, it's a certainly a logical 
uh, theory. I think that Xavier McKinney is very transparent, which we as media people appreciate. There's nothing. Don't. I'd rather people say no comment than stand up there and lie to my face every day. So Xavier McKinney tells you pretty much exactly how he feels on pretty much everything. And uh, whether it's quote unquote right or not, it's his opinion. So uh, he felt like he wasn't being heard. I think it was very clear that he was talking about Wink and the defensive assistant coaches more than he was talking about Dayball, who when asked about it, fell back on his like weekly Friday captains meetings. I don't think Xavier was referring to anything about those. I think he was talking about in-game adjustments. Um, So yeah, he voiced his opinion. Uh, As for the rest of the stuff, it, as I alluded to maybe 10 minutes ago, it's going as tense as the Saquon Barkley contract negotiations got would not surprise me if the Xavier McKinney extensions went similarly poorly. He has, he believes he is a star player. Like he was asked multiple times this year if he was ready for a breakout season. And he balked every time at that question and said, I already broke out remembering his 2021 season where he had the five interceptions uh, and basically should have been a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. Um, so he feels he's already proved, you know, that he can be an elite player. He plays every single snap uh, this year. Uh, <clears throat> he's a good player. I mean, I, he's a good player. He hired David Moyugeta, who's like the king of defensive back contracts. Like, Jalen Ramsey, uh, who's the safety on the car? Buda Baker, like uh, just huge DB record-setting DB contract after another. Giants fans might remember him as the agent who took Landon Collins from the Giants to Washington for what was again a record-setting contract for a safety. So he hired him this offseason. He's going to be looking for that kind of contract. The Giants are not going to look at him as that kind of player. Whether they can meet in the middle or not, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I think that this was a prove year. It's not going well for the defense as a whole. I don't think McKinney's having a bad year, but I don't think he's having a Pro Bowl year. So I think he's just having a you're a good player, which is basically what he is, a good player kind of season. Whether all that played into his comments or not, I don't know. What I will say is in five years of doing this, he is – as visibly passionate about winning as anybody else, whether his methods as a player and as a leader, whether you agree with them, they are all designed because he wants to, he's done nothing but winning. He expects to win. He wants to win. Our, our colleague, Dan Duggan at the athletic wrote a story once. I think he flipped a table, Xavier McKinney and the famous Joe judge, game we were just talking about where he ranted after the Bears where they like couldn't get a first down in the game. McKinney basically called out the offense at halftime. Whether you say that's good or bad or whatever, like that's all from a place of like, no, I think I can make the difference in us winning. So to me, I respect that. Like the guy wants to win so badly, he's not just gonna go he's not just along for the ride, like, oh, I'm doing my part. No, like I'm going to try to make a visible change. And if that means speaking out, that means speaking out. 
I don't know that that'll get him in a good place with coaches in the front office, but I can respect what he's trying to do. I don't think it's coming from a selfish place. No, I just, I just think that, that as you sort of intimated, I think that maybe he sees his value as one thing and the organization's going to see it, you know, somewhat differently. And he is a good player. He does have value and you do want to keep as many of these guys that, that you drafted, even though Joe Shane didn't draft him, he is a guy that the, the organization drafted. You, you need to keep those guys if you can. I just, I just wonder if the Giants are and and McKinney's people are going to be able to meet, you know, somewhere in the middle. And Shane's already paid a lot of what you would call non-premium positions. He paid middle linebacker Bobby Okereke. He, <laughs> we think, is going to have to pay Saquon Barkley some reasonable number at running back. He's paying a lot for a tight end. Those are three positions not a lot of teams pay. Is he also going to pay a safety, another team, another position a lot of teams don't pay? I don't know. That might be where he looks to cut corners. I think he did that last offseason when he let Julian Love go. So maybe that's maybe that's a tell as to how he wants to build the roster, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Anyway, Ryan, I appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, thank you as always for uh, for dropping some knowledge on us and uh, we'll have to do this again maybe when we get into the offseason. You know, off seasons are never fun. <laughs> There's off- never anything, never anything to talk about in the off. Yeah, off seasons are always like uh, off seasons are made for could for stories that include a lot of could, likely, maybe, what if, all those kind of things. <laughs> I, before I before I let you go, I know you uh, you've been you've been sick for the last few days. You haven't uh, you've been you've been housebound. Quick story from the press room today. Tom Rock was in the was in the room. Tom, who who's a columnist for Newsday, covers the Jets and the Giants. And he reminded people today as we were talking about the senior bowl that the Giants are in a really good position to uh to wind up with with the coaching staff at wow. the senior bowl. You're right. And and people were like, oh, that means we all have to go to Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I so, have not thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that 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 was that was an interesting topic today. It's like, oh, we might as well get our plane tickets to Mobile. <laughs> wow, I had not thought of that. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, thank you much for the time, Giants fans. Thank you for listening. Please stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.